My story begins with a Tinder date, as so many good stories do. And <laughs> Actually, it was a third Tinder date, and because I'm a classy broad, and at this point I had confirmed this guy wasn't a serial killer, I decided now was the time to sleep with him. So <laughs> there we are that night, doing as adults do. You know, the birds and the bees are the birds and the birds in this scenario. And <laughs> I start to feel a little bit of pain, and I let the guy know this kind of hurts, and I think a bit pleased with himself, the guy lets me know that if I just relax, it's going to feel better after a while. I quickly let him know that it's not his considerable talents that are me hurting, but something much different, and so I get off of him, and next thing you know, I'm driving myself to the hospital at 10 o'clock at night. Now, mind you, at this point, I had a 12.50 flight to my Boston for my cousin Andrew's wedding, and I'm still convinced I'm going to make it. I was wrong. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Your bachelor party was a lot less fun without me there. So there I am. I walk into the hospital, and I go to the reception desk, and I explain to the lady, using my charade skills, because I'm trying to be subtle, where the pain is and how much it hurts. <laughs> when she finally gets what I'm talking about, she drops absolutely everything she's doing and rushes me to the back. I mean, this is Disney Fast Pass style. I get to skip the whole line. There's people bleeding on the ground. There's bones sticking out of skin. But my testicle hurts, so get me to the back right away. <laughs> so there I am on the table, feet in stirrups. And suddenly, I'm flashing back to the Tinder guy four hours ago. <laughs> but then the ultrasound gel hits my nuts. And man, that shit is cold. <laughs> And to make it even more uncomfortable, I look up and realize that the awkward and scared tech is actually a classmate of mine from Eagle River High School. <laughs> Go Wolves, and Tracy, you're the only girl to ever see me in that position, so congratulations. <laughs> but at some point, it gets serious, and she gets a little scared and runs out of the room. She gets her supervisor, who comes in, looks at the screen, and runs out of the room herself. They start rolling me back to the room, which I'm not calling the emergency room anymore because I've been here for five hours. This can't quite possibly be an emergency. But hey, I have drugs in this little sponge that they let me keep sucking water off of, so I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> A nurse walks into the room and explains to me that they're going to prep me for the orchiectomy, and then she leaves. What? <laughs> I don't know whether it's because I'm high or I'm not a very good speller. It's probably because I'm high I'm a very good speller. <laughs> But I can't quite figure out what an orchiectomy is. And so when she walks back in, I ask her, ma'am, what's an orchiectomy? Now I'm scared for her medical well-being because she looks like she's going to pass out. <laughs> she runs out of the room, and she gets a doctor. And mind you, this is the third time a lady has run out of the room at me today. And I'm starting to realize God meant for me to be gay. And <laughs> then I realize that even further when the hottest doctor I have ever seen walks into the room. <laughs> Grey's Anatomy, eat your heart out, and he launches into explaining to me that he's sorry I had to find out this way. Find out what exactly? Cancer. A lot of it. All over my left testicle, which really pisses me off, because not only was that my favorite testicle, it was the bigger one. <laughs> and I know I should be sad at this point, and music should be playing in the background, or people weep because they're so upset about how sick I am, but really I'm just worried about my fantasy football draft that afternoon and whether I'm going to be out of surgery in time to get there. I wasn't. My season suffered as a result. Fuck you, cancer. 
So that surgery ends, and then I have another surgery which lands me in the hospital for 10 days and subsequently eliminates my ability to ejaculate. Well, less mess, right? And now I can fake orgasm, so if I'm tired and really not feeling it, I lay over and I go to sleep. <laughs> that is a superpower that I am jealous of women having, and now I get to experience myself. <laughs> if you're in this room and I've had sex with you and told you I was tired and fell asleep, I promise, I really did finish, you just can't tell. So the surgeries are done, and then I think it's going to be easier from there, but I was wrong. The chemo started. It kind of felt like my body was disintegrating from the inside out. Every time I walked anywhere, it felt like my bones were crushing beneath me. No one could have ever prepared me for this. No matter how many books or so you're a young man with cancer support groups they send you to, there's no way that you can be prepared for how much this hurts. And at one point, about nine steps up my mother's stairs, I guess I'd pass out because I wasn't strong enough to get to the top. My little brothers wake me up in a pool of my own vomit, and at that point I decide I'm done. Never mind people going through this for years or people who make it or don't make it to the other side. I had done it for eight weeks and I quit. My mom obviously wasn't very happy about this and subsequently my brother, who was 11 at the time, walked up to me, asked me if it was true if I was quitting chemo. I told him yes. He then asked me if I was going to die. He wasn't trying to be dramatic and he wasn't trying to start a fight. It's just he was 11. I had cancer and I was stopping chemo. so. That must mean I was gonna die. It's probably the wake-up call I needed because the next day with my little brother in tow, definitely because he used his cancery older brother to get out of school, <laughs> I go back to chemo the next day and we finish it out. Thanks, Max. So a couple years go down, or a couple years later, as I'm actually writing this story, I go in for some routine scans and they find some masses. They do some biopsies and realize that the masses are cancerous. I decide in my ultimate wisdom that this time I'm not going to drag my friends and family through the muck of chemotherapy and treatment. I decide I'm going to do this myself. Never mind the fact that doctors literally ripped the cancer from my body, or my friends Amy and Sierra changed my ball bandages when I needed it, or never mind the fact that my auntie Barbara all the way in New Zealand paid for my bankruptcy, because at 23 I had no health coverage, because in America health coverage is a privilege and not a right. Or my cousins who made Taylor Swift music videos when I was feeling down. Or my friends Nick and Susie who anxiously awaited the results of my biopsy, of which I chose to lie and tell them that everything was fine. I obviously wisened up and through a tear-soaked uh, booth across the way at Humpy's, I let them know that I had lied and I was scared. But I shouldn't have been because the second that I told them what was going on, their first question wasn't why I lied to them. Their first question was what could they do? How could they help? What treatments could they bring me to? What food would my stomach tolerate once I started chemo? They just wanted to be there for me in whatever way possible. I always prided myself with getting through my chemotherapy and all the subsequent problems I had because I laughed my way through it. But there's no point in laughing if there's no one around to laugh with. I'm so grateful for all these people in my life who helped me get through this. And I know that as I constantly have this battle for the rest of my life, those people are going to be right there with me. And speaking of thanks, thanks, Tinder guy, for helping me find that tumor. <laughs> I know I ghosted a bit, but I kind of had a lot going on. <laughs> and to all you guys out there, check your balls. You're always touching them all the time anyways. <laughs> thanks. <laughs>